ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, this week I sit down with a good friend of mine, Drew Rhodes. We get into hunting out east versus here in the west eating frustration gear junkie versus what you need and bringing his hunting career full circle with the three generation hunt enjoy the episode so we're on with one of my hunting buddies mr drew rhodes drew what's happening bub what's up guys so man let's jump into it before we let the uh bs flow man Give uh, give everybody a little bit of background. Tell them about yourself, and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Uh, like I said, Drew Rhodes. Uh, I'm 41. I'm a married father of three. Uh, been in the telecommunication industry for 20 years. I'm a construction manager. Uh, started out climbing towers back in Ohio. Uh, moved out to California in 2006. Just kind of kind of been living my life since then. You know. Took some time off out of the woods when I first moved out here just because it was so different and uh, didn't really start hunting again until I uh, actually, till we met. I saved so. your life. Y- yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, why don't we get a little bit of that, uh, that hunting and that outdoor life, man. Um, you know, that's been a, that's been a lifelong journey for you. So why don't you give us a little bit about that uh, Ohio backcountry backwoods <laughs> tree stand running gun type uh shit you had back there i don't know it kind of sounds like you just called me a redneck but, <laughs> um yeah so i mean i grew up hunting uh it's always been a big part of my life um started going out with my dad when shit i was probably four or five years old um Back in Ohio, there at least back when I was there, there wasn't an age limit on when you could be able to hunt. I started deer hunting. I want to say I was nine. Uh, the first time I went actually on a deer hunt with my dad, um, 
where I was carrying a gun myself. Uh, back there, it's all it's all shotgun. They just recently started letting you use smooth wall uh, rifle cartridge. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's always been a big part of my life. We we were always outdoors. We were always camping, fishing, hiking, hunting, and it was just it was just a natural part of everything we did. Um, it was it was always a way for me and my dad to connect as well. So we could be going at each other over stupid shit all the time. But when it came to hunting season, we were always back together. We were always in the woods. So, um, it was always me, my brother, and my dad, we do big trips every year <clears throat> down to central Ohio, uh, with all my uncles spending the time sleeping in the back of the truck when it's, you know, negative degrees, you know, freezing our ass off, eating frozen bologna sandwiches and trying to keep warm by lantern light. But it's some of my most fond memories. Heck yeah. So what caused the break, right? I mean, some of that was, was growing your career. Um, and then, you know, you said moving out here, um, just didn't get the opportunity or didn't understand the opportunities that were in front of you. But what, uh, how hard was that to pull away from that and, uh, not have that such, you know, being, having it be such a big part of your life for so long? Oh, it was, it was difficult. Um, a, a big reason why I didn't hunt when I first moved out here. I mean, for one, I didn't have any of my guns out here. It took me a while to get them out here. Wasn't even sure if I was going to stay out here. Um, I moved out here for work as a traveler. It was supposed to be a short-term gig and I was moving back. Um, so I never really put the emphasis on, you know, getting my gear together and bringing things out here and getting set up to do it. And then on top of that, the hunting out here is completely different than back in Ohio. You know, I mean, you kind of, you kind of said it earlier with the tree stands and stuff like that. I've never been much of a tree stand hunter. I was always what I called boot and shoot. Um, me and my buddies back there would bust through the brush and, you know, do what do still hunting. Basically we'd, you know, hike for a little while, sit for a little while, but I was never a tree stand guy. Um, it just, that's not my bag. Um, but as far as, you know, coming out here and not hunting, it was rough. Uh, when, when you and I met and, you know, I found out you hunted, I jumped at the chance and just to learn the ropes. I mean, it's, I'm still learning. I've been hunting out here. I think we started hunting together in 2012 or 2013. 2012. Yeah. It's I still learn something every time I go out. Shit, I mean, it's completely different. The only one. And, and that's kind of the things I look forward to, you know, it's, it's, it's learning what I can do when I can do it and how I can do it every time I'm in the woods. So, so contrast that, that, you know, uh, boot and shoot versus, you know, Western style hunting. What, what's the biggest challenge you see and the biggest differences you see in it? I mean, this might ruffle a little feathers with the other whitetail hunters, but in my opinion, whitetail hunting to me was easy. I've never been, I guess I need to kind of caveat that a little bit. I've never been an antler hunter. I've always, if it's brown, it's in my freezer. That would, that was always me. So if it was a doe, if it was a small buck, it didn't matter. I was taking it out here you don't always get that opportunity. 
I've had opportunities, but they're a lot more skittish out here. They're not as curious, in my opinion. Any slight movement, smell, noise, they're gone. They don't hesitate. Whitetails, back in Ohio at least, I could jump them and they would run 20 yards and stop and check to see what it was. And at that point, they're done. You know, it's, it's, I shot a lot of deer on the run, but back there, to me, that was an ethical thing because it was such close range. Shooting something on the run out here with a rifle, uh, that would be a completely different story for me. Back there, it was, you know, 20, 30 yards at the most. After that, normally you couldn't see them because most of the woods that we hunted back there were, you know, thick, dense thickets and, you know, brush piles and, you know, logged out areas with blowdowns and cutdowns. And, you know, it was, it was, it was really thick. And, and so one of the, I, re, I remember the first time we went out and uh, took you out scouting. And uh, I think the terrain smacked you in the head, not even just getting on it but looking at some of the terrain that we're dealing with um, that, that to me would seem to be, I mean, outside of the deer being a little more weary um, and, and probably fewer numbers and I'm making a hell of an assumption there. Right. Um, but I think that terrain, how did that play into it all for you? Cause I, I, I remember you going, Holy shit, this is steep. I, I can kind of put it like this. I'm a flatlander in a tall world right now. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, you saw it last weekend. I've, I fight this every time we go out and every time we do a lot of heavy hiking up hills and stuff like that. The cramps are horrible. I'm an avid weightlifter. I work out every day and I still cramp up from the sheer elevation changes the heat the the dehydration just the amount of work that you put in out here compared to what i did back there is night and day i mean it's people are going fuck this guy (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's what i said i'm gonna ruffle some feathers i mean i'm a it's a stark contrast to me from you know, the whitetail hunting I did in Ohio compared to the blacktail and the mule deer hunting I do out here. I mean, it's, it, it, to me, there's no comparison. It's a completely different world. It's a, it's a completely different animal without talking about the deer. I mean, just the experience and the, and the hunt itself is a completely different animal. And, and then for me, I mean, you know how I am, right? So, you know, as much as I want to fill that tag, right? I mean, that's the chase. And you had posted that thing earlier this week and it made me laugh because sometimes I think I just do shit just to, just to hurt myself a little bit. You know what I mean? Not, not so much physically, but mentally. And, and I'm kind of thinking that it's a dumb freaking move <laughs> during season, but, uh, but it, you know, you just said the experience and, it, but that's so, that's so much a part of it. Right. I mean, it just, it, it makes me feel good. Like, you know, we got to the back, we got to that, you know, we were almost on the highest mountain there. Um, you know, and we were, we were, we were at 106 degrees or something like that last week. 108. Ay, ay, ay. Um, but it's just pushing through that stuff, you know? And then, you know, when you, when you caught those cramps, I think we were already talking about heading back down. So that kind of helped it a little we, bit. We were on our way down when I started catching them. I mean, for me, 
if it wasn't for the experience and enjoying that experience, I, I wouldn't even be out there. I mean, that's, that's what I look forward to. I mean, the harvest is just, I mean, I mean, that's a cherry on top. Nah, that's always the case. I'm starting to think that's a goddamn dumb thought, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Especially with all the tags I've been eating the past couple of years. Yeah, but it happens, right? I mean, a lot of that is, you know, we've talked about that. It's it's time in the woods. You know, you make. Oh, yeah, you definitely. Know, it, it, I mean, it's it's time in the woods and doubting myself um, in situations where I probably shouldn't have. You know, I mean, it's it's all a learning experience. It's it's all something that I need to overcome in my head to to make myself more successful harvest wise. So okay, so let's talk about that. So how do you hindsight? How do you hindsight yourself in those situations, right? Because it, there's never you're making the best decision you have in that moment in time, right? And and a lot of those windows are seconds, right? I mean, seconds at best. Um, when that, when that buck is within bow range. Um, so how do you, how do you hindsight yourself and think, you know, oh, that was a bad decision. Um, I was thinking about that, you know, when talking, when we were talking about that, uh, that late season tag, you know, and you were, you were talking about the win and everything. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you go, man, this is some heavy win, you know, could I do it? Could I not do it? So you err on the side of caution. And I think that that is the responsible thing to do, right? If you have a question, but how do you, you know what I mean? Like, how do you know if that was the right decision with, you know, what do you think that deer walked in front of you? You got, you know, maybe five seconds, six seconds to look at him. Yeah, pretty much. I, I mean, for me, I mean, with, with just that one experience last year, <clears throat> I, I guess for me, it was an ethics thing. Um, could I have made that shot? It was 62 yards. I can, I can shoot a 62 yard shot all day long. My problem was, was the wind. Like you said, if I would have had time to take my quiver off, cut that wind down a little bit, I, I would have taken the shot. My, I wasn't worried about the, the wind effect on the arrow. I was worried about the wind effect on my bow. Right. All that rock. I just, I, yeah, I could, I couldn't steady my pin enough to where I felt comfortable making that shot coupled with the fact that it was drizzling and it was getting close to dark. I just felt like if I, if I rushed the shot, made a bad shot and had to track that animal, I don't think I would have found it just because of the way the weather was and how dark it was getting. So, yeah. So in hindsight, in hindsight, that was the perfect call. I mean, yeah. in my opinion, right? Hey, I got, you know, I got three things stacked against me. The sun's going to be gone. It's drizzling. I'm going to lose that blood trail. And if the shot's bad and he doesn't fall within, you know, 30, 40, 50 yards, who knows? That and the, the other variable too, we weren't that far from a, a section of private property. And if they would have made it on there, I would have been screwed anyways. So, I mean, there were a lot of variables in that. And that one do I kick myself for not taking the shot? No, not really. Do I think back and wish I would have? Eh, somewhat. But I, I stand behind my decision that I didn't feel like it was the shot to take at that time. Right. Uh, I think that was a good, I think that was a good call. So if you don't mind, so I've talked about it a couple times and I think 
I think there's value in it, right? Tell me to shut the fuck up if you don't want to talk about it. So you took uh, took your boy out last year and and uh, <laughs> I don't, I kind of made a bonehead call. Um, but I think there's some value in it, right? Because there's a certain level of emphasis that I don't know outside pressures or pressure on ourselves or whatever. Um, no, it, it was it was complete selfishness on my part. I mean, I, I'll just I'll go into the story. Um, so it was the first deer hunt I've ever taken my son on. He's nine years old. Uh, went out the first day, first day of bow season last year, a zone. Saw a couple deer. Everything was looking really good. Uh, saw a couple spikes, couple does. Didn't see any shooters. Uh, he started getting a little, little frustrated. I mean, just like a nine-year-old does. You know, they want that fast success, and you know, they wanted, they want a reward. Um, but we kind of we walked through it. We, you know, we did some hiking. We did some sitting. Um, went back to camp that night. We kind of talked about it a little bit and he was like, no, I'm good. You know, he was like, I, I kind of wish we would have saw something we could shoot at, but you know, whatever, we'll get up and go do it again tomorrow morning. So the next morning we go out, um, go do some more hiking around, saw a couple more does. We were on our way back to camp for lunch and <laughs> no bullshit. It was probably three quarters of a mile. He spots this deer like it was standing in front of him and he's like, dad, there's a deer. And I'm like, where? And he points <laughs> into the nothingness. And I'm like, holy shit, there is a deer up there. It's one hill on this hillside. And this deer is just standing underneath the limb, eating leaves, nothing between us and the deer. And I'm like, what the hell do we do? And the property where we're on, there was, there's cattle on the ranch. <clears throat> so I told him, I said, look, we're going to hike down. We're going to go into this tree line. We're going to make it as far up as we can and see if we can make a stock on this deer. So we hike down, we get on the tree line, we start hiking down. Sure enough, there's a big group of cows, you know, 200 yards in front of us. They would not move. So we just kind of slow rolled it, hiked up and got in a spot. and you know, we finally got the cows to go off, but when they did, the deer kind of took off too. So we couldn't find it. So we kind of worked our way down in this little valley that was in, in between us and the deer and crawled up on the bank and we found them again. And at that point I was able to tell it was, it was just a legal shooter, but, um, wasn't nothing big. Um, and I know I'm kind of contradicting myself because I said earlier, I'm not an antler hunter or anything like that. To me, it was just a, yeah, to me, it was just a really small deer, N not so much antler wise, but just body wise and everything. And I was like, I, I don't know if this is something I want to take the first weekend. But being that he was with me, I was like, all right, let's make the stock. We'll get up on this deer and we'll make the decision when it's time to make the decision. So we kind of worked our way up. We found the deer again. We got within 40 yards of it and I looked at him and I was like, dude, do you really want me to shoot this deer? And he's like, yeah, dad, shoot it. And I was like, all right. I drew back and I elected not to shoot it. And I kicked myself every day because my selfishness of not wanting to seal the deal on that buck with him standing there watching me 
is probably the most selfish thing I've ever done in the woods. I cheated my son out of that, that harvest because I wanted to be able to keep on hunting. And it kills me every day. Not only does that kill me, but I ended up eating that tag as well. Yeah. Hoping, hoping for that next opportunity. But that, I mean, that kind of goes into don't pass on something the first day that you would shoot the last, um, on, amongst other things, right. In that scenario. Um, and I mean, we just don't, well, this year has been a little bit different, but we don't see, especially in that A zone, we don't see big deer anyway. Right. I mean, most of the deer we're looking yeah. at, um, from the five going West, you know, on those weekend type hunts, man, they're not big deer anyway. Not normally. No. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, I, I think there's value in that. Right. I mean, a guy goes in the woods and, and we talked about it before and there was, you know, it had a little bit to do with the size, a little bit one, you know, can I find something better? Um, and that's a, that's a hell of a thing, man. That's like, you know, me last year chasing old, old boy. And, you know, last year I was able to get eyes on him, you know, once or twice. And then he's gone and I had to make the same decision. Like, okay, do I shoot this, you know, legal buck, this, this forky and move on and hope dude makes it, you know, to this, to the next season. Um, and yeah, you just have to, it's a rough one sometimes, man. And I, and I think a lot of it is, you know, it's always great, man, to get that grip and grin with some horns sticking up all over the place. But we sell ourselves short when that tag is uh, sitting in that pack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know exactly. I mean? it is, it's not filled out. It's it's always a rough one, man. Well, I mean, the, the, the biggest thing that stands out for, for me on that, and that's kind of why I went into the whole story, was he put in the work for that deer. He, he put in that stock. He, you know, nine years old on his first deer hunt ever with me. He's been on pig hunts with me, but he's never been on a deer hunt. And he put in that work and he was able to be side by side with me and make it into 40 yards of that deer. And then, like I said, I kind of cheated him out of it. I mean, it, it's. That's a killer. That It makes me, it, it makes me feel it, bad it, for it you. Makes me, <laughs> it, it makes me emotional every time I talk about it because. Like I said, it was selfishness, and it, and that's normally not me, especially when it comes to my son. But again, I I and and one of the reasons I want to talk about it is I think that you see guys saying, "Oh, I wouldn't shoot that," or "That's a dink," and you know, blah 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 blah, um, bullshit. Because if that's the only deer you have in front of you that whole season, and you don't shoot it, it, it's you know maybe not the level of regret of having your boy with you every time, but you know, damn it. I should have taken that deer. Yep. Exactly. I mean, shit, I, I told you last weekend and the weekend before, I don't give a shit if it's a spike fork. I don't care if it's a forky. I don't care if it's a four by four. If I got a shot, I'm taking it. I'm I will not make that mistake again. Hell to the no. <laughs> <laughs> That's what last weekend I was just like, man, if we could see one of those, you know, I'm, I'm kind of set dude on that, on old boy there. Oh yeah, um, definitely. There's a couple though that were in those bachelor groups, man. I think if they walked in, I think I would just, I would just let it fly. But he is. <laughs> and that three by four that I spotted. Whew. Yeah. That was a nice. I would have took him. At, yeah. I would have took him all day long. Heck yeah. That, well, that, that wide forky that's there. He's really nice, dude. He's uh 
yeah, I wish you were, I wish you would have come around that, that ridge, you know, worked your way back East that first weekend. Cause that was, I mean, that area that we're hunting is nasty as hell. It's hot as hell. And to see that amount of deer basically on an Island, um, is flipping phenomenal. And this, and especially a group like that with that caliber of deer. Oh, it's crazy. Because dude, we're not used to seeing deer like that, especially in a group. I, the, the smallest outside of those two, those two spikes that are running around together, the smallest. <laughs> Spike Lee and Too Short. Yeah. <laughs> too Short's funny though, man. He, uh, he's always trying to, uh, pick a fight with, uh, Spike Lee there, man. He cracks. Me oh yeah. Up. I got him on video. That, that <laughs> night that, uh, that I saw him, man, that's all he was doing as he kept running up to him, trying to pick a fight. It was pretty cool to watch. They're just carefree. That's the coolest thing, man, to get out there and, you know, you watch those bucks like that and, you know, non-shooters and they're just carefree. They, they haven't been, they haven't been educated just yet, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, it was crazy because they, they had me pinned down for two hours. They were within 50 yards of me for two hours. I didn't even get to hunt the evening hunt two weeks ago because I was pinned down by those two spikes, but I had the best time sitting there watching them, especially once too short, just kept trying to spar with the other one. I mean, it was, it was a blast pissing, pissing six yards from you stinking. Oh, geez. <laughs> that was horrible, man. That's funny though, that, you know, cause those bucks were small dude. And, and to think that their urine was that strong. Um, oh, it was, it, it, it was, whew, it was bad. Especially <laughs> when I sat there with it for two hours. Yeah. In the meantime, I'm over there going crazy, trying to find that damn big group. So, oh, that's what I was saying is they're the, the smallest, the smallest buck headgear wise in that group is about 14 inches wide, about 22 to 24 inches tall. And he split maybe three inches on both sides. That's a freaking shooter, dude. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. And uh, to, to think that that's the smallest one in that group on that Island in that hellhole is uh that's crazy. It is crazy. Man, I I don't even know if Hellhole describes that place. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, last year Oh, it's 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 beautiful there, but it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, last year, you know, I would I didn't see near as many deer last year as I have, you know, in the couple the couple weekends out this year. Um but just it's not even the, I guess some of it is the physical challenge, but the mental challenge to stay in the field, um, when it's 116, 108, 112, I think that's really what drove me. And then, you know, seeing old boy, I, and I think I told you that I, I didn't want to, I really didn't want to go back there this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was trying to figure out you know, am I going back? I mean, it took me weeks to figure out whether or not I was going back in that damn place. And uh, I, I just can't stay away from it. I just want to, I think that if I, if I'm able to arrow a deer there that I can walk away from it peacefully, even if I don't get the big dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've put so much work into that place the past couple of years and, you know, got so much time invested in that one deer. Uh, it, it's going to be hard for you to walk away without taking him. Yeah. But, and then, and then the challenge is, you know, we have rifle season coming up here in a couple weeks. I, well, that's my next outing. Uh, right. I mean, rifle season, that, that area is really, 
is really a rifle area, right? It is not that that shit is not for bow hunting. I don't. There is no stretch of the imagination. The closest stock, you know, this year for me has been. I think I got within what did I say one eighteen. Um, the winds are crazy. Yeah. It's open terrain. You know, you spot them a half mile off and you got to cross, you know, four or five different ridges and down these draws and shit. By the time you get over there, they're, they're long gone and you can't find it's a needle in a haystack. The grass is three to four feet tall. So these smaller black well, and then tail. Jeez. And then that, that draw system and finger ridges and all that stuff out there are just so confusing. Cause I mean, you see a deer, you know, on a ridge top from where you're sitting and from where you're sitting, it looks like there's one ridge, maybe one draw, <laughs> and then back up another ridge, and you get down in there, and there's four draws. Yeah, yeah. You know, you it, it, it's so hard to judge that place just because of the way the layout of the land is. It, making a stock out there is insane. It, it's like, it's the craziest shit I've ever tried to hunt. I mean, it is bar none the most difficult. That's I think there it is right there. It's the most difficult place I've ever tried to archery hunt. And if I can get it done there, I'm going to feel like, you know, the man in my head until I find some other area that tops it. Yeah. I I mean, every ridgetop and every peak that we hit last weekend and the weekend before gave me a completely different perspective of that, that property. Like it's, it looks so much different just going 200 yards to the next ridge. There's so much shit that you didn't see from the last spot that you were glassing from that you didn't even realize were there. And I think that's kind of the allure of that place because you need to find where they are. Well, but you find them and dude, you're a half mile, three quarters of a mile off and you spot them. You move a little bit and you try and glass them up again and they're looking at you. And as soon as they see you, they're moving away. They it, they don't have to wind you. It's like we were walking up that area and that doe, she, you know, I saw her. She looked up and saw us. She was 178 yards away. She immediately turned around and took off. Wind was in our favor. She didn't wind us. They do. It, you would think that there's a million people in there putting pressure on those deer. Yeah. It is. I mean, they're just so in tune with their environment. It's, oh, it's so crazy. Nuts. What about that It was that shocking. Wind? Oh, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about that shit. <laughs> what did you do? You 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 hit your wind checker and it's swirling all above you, going you know it's split up the the puff of powder in ten different directions, and then you walk five feet and then it's you know blowing right across you left to right, and it's oh just, yeah, and I, you're I, down in I, the damn. I think draw. I took, <laughs> I think I took maybe eight nine steps, used my wind checker three times in those eight nine steps and had three different indications. Yeah, it's insane. Like swirling up the draw, down the draw, across my face, from my neck. I mean, it was, I couldn't even figure it out. Yeah, it's nuts. And, you know, we were taking that, and that was kind of the bummer, right? So the first weekend, you know, we'd get in that area and and find all those bucks and couldn't beat the wind, right? So I'm like, okay, all week long, dude, I'm, I'm checking Onyx and I'm looking at the wind direction and I'm like, okay, here's the plan when we go in here this weekend and we're just going to come and we're going to come real hard west and come back on you know back east on them and it was perfect we get there and there ain't a fucking deer to be found and it was just like oh <laughs> man Not a and then the one found. i did see saw me before we saw him yeah that was uh that place is frustrating go get my ass kicked again this weekend 
yeah, I wish I could go this weekend. It's, uh, but I don't rifle know. opener is going to be it for me. I'm going to get out there and uh, seal the deal this year. Yeah, that really. Uh, I mean, that's the plus with that tag, right? You got well, they and they shortened it. Wasn't archery on that tag? It was five weeks last year. I, I'm almost positive it was five weeks. I think I still have the uh, the dates from last year. I'll have to look them up. Yeah, and then they pulled a pulled a week off of us. I wonder if they shortened that rifle season too. It's no, I can tell you right. I can tell you right now what the rifle season is. Hold on a second. Doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason for that stuff, man. And then that moon phase. So, I mean, we we have everything against us going in there with this season, right? Just the lay of the land, that moon phase. It seems like it's the brightest moon of the year until we get to, you know, mid-September. And it's weird because that country, when the moon is full there, you could walk around in the dark and, I mean, you could literally see colors, um, which is, you know, really unusual at night. I mean, that's a bright-ass moon. Well, I mean, I said it when we woke up, uh, not last weekend, but the weekend before, like I woke up, it was three o'clock in the morning. It looked like it was seven. Yeah. It's crazy. So let me see here. Yeah. So the, the archery season went from July 13th, it ends on the fourth and then rifle season. We only got 12 days of rifle this year. What? It goes from the 10. Oh no, wait, never mind. I was looking at the month wrong. So it goes from August 10th to September 22nd. Oh, okay. So the rifle season. So I think they, I think they may have actually given us an extra week of rifle and then pulled off a week of and bow. pulled the week off of bow is what it looks like. What the hell they do? Cause that? I think that, I think that's a longer rifle season Yeah, I think than last, it was last year. Yeah. I thought last year, maybe it was three or four weeks, but it's still a good tag, man. I mean, that's, that's some, you know, the only thing that worries me is getting out with my bow during rifle season. I'm always, I'm always pretty nervous about doing that, man. And in some of these areas, you know, the pumpkin patch and some of these dudes, man, they see or hear any type of movement, man. And his bullets are flying. Oh yes. Sound shots. Yeah. That concerns that (laughs) That shit tripped me out when I heard people talking about that shit last year. Oh, we didn't see any deer, but we got off a couple sound shots and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about sound shots? Well, that was, that was the one good thing I had last year was one of the properties I was hunting last year was an archery only ranch. So I only hunted with my rifle one time last year. The rest of the rest of the season I spent with my bow, which over the past couple of years has been my preferred method. I, I've, I've really gotten into the archery side of things more, um, which is weird because I've always been a trigger guy. But I don't know. I just kind of enjoy it a little bit more. Yeah, and it's a lot more time in the woods. I mean, that that's how I look at it, right? I mean, you get you get so much more time out there, and then it goes back to what I said earlier. It just kicks my ass a lot more. <clears throat> I think last year, after you know, after archery season, there, I uh, first morning I was out, the sun comes up, and then ten minutes later, there's a dead deer. You know, I mean, I just if it was all like that, it'd be hard to, it'd be hard to keep me motivated. Definitely part of the, uh, the allure, like you said, is, uh, to me, it's the challenge, man, especially in this. Oh yeah, definitely. Freaking hell hole. So let's talk about these. So you kind of brought it up, right. And then, you know, and I, I 
sent it over to you on on the bullets um and one of the things i appreciate is you know you always say right i'm the, i'm you know me i'm the gear junkie from hell like i'm gonna go buy as much gear as i want to fucking buy in a year oh yeah uh, definitely just because i want to see what it does how it does etc cetera, etc cetera. but you've always been like you know fuck it, it it's working for me man i'm i'm using this you know i haven't i'm not gonna buy a new bow i'm gonna restring this bow and change this change that um and then i, I forget what you we were oh we were talking about that crazy ass range over here and you're like man i go out there with my with my savage and you got these guys with these four or five thousand dollar you know custom rifles and they're shooting at 600 yards i take my my 30-06 and i'm pinging iron and these guys can't shoot for shit so why don't we talk oh, yeah, about that definitely. i mean that's uh that's a big deal man because with all the with all the marketing and um you know all the hype behind gear it really amounts to what the hell works for you and you've heard me say it and i've i've said it not just on the podcast but it's about what brings you value in the field what's gonna you know make your experience what you want your experience to be i mean i, I mean when it comes to my gear like I'm a baller on a budget, basically. I mean, I would love to, you know, buy some other gear, some of the more expensive stuff that that I want. I can't always do that. I mean, I'm getting a little more into that. Like I'll sacrifice and, you know, go a season or two without something just so I can save up to buy the better piece. You know, I'm actually doing that right now with my binos. I got a pair of Bushnell binos right now. I want to get some Vortex. I'm saving up to buy them. My my Bushnells are working. They've been working for six, seven years. I don't have a problem with them. And then, I mean, like you said, you brought up my bow. My bow is a 2014 PSE. Never thought I would own another PSE because I had one explode on me back, you know, probably 20, 20 years ago. And I swore PSE off. When I started archery hunting out here, I went out, I shot probably 15, 20 different bows. And, you know, the one that I have is the one that I felt the most comfortable with. And I've been running it ever since. I mean, I've changed up some of the gear that I have on it. You know, I got the, the trophy Ridge slider on it. Now I got the, uh, the tight spot quiver. I want to put a different stabilizer on it. Um, but yeah, I was, I was looking into buying a new bow this year and, you know, it just wasn't in my budget. So I was like, fuck it. Let me just take this one, get it restrung, see what it'll do. Mm-hmm. You know, and, but I mean, dropping, it, it works for me. Yeah. And you're dropping hundred yard dimes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm a firm believer in if it's not broke, don't fix it, you know, dress it up a little bit, but if it doesn't need replaced, don't replace it. I mean, shit, look at my camo. I just made the switch to a more technical camo all the ribbing that you did, you know, I, I've been a real tree extra guy forever, but that's what I grew up on because being an, an Ohio, uh, whitetail hunter, that's what lended itself to the, you know, the backdrop there. Well, but that's what, like, I mean, that's what I was running when we first started hunting together. Like I would give you yeah, shit, but that yeah. was after I made the switch and, and I'm a qualified, I, I bust balls. I like to bust balls, especially for, to friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, we have to. That's that's what keeps us sane. <laughs> Through but the bullshit. I, I mean, you know, for the, for the longest time, I was, you know, I would upgrade my camo, but it was always still Realtree. And 
I didn't realize how uncomfortable the camo I was wearing was until I switched over to Sitka. <clears throat> oh, I mean, in, in my opinion, it has nothing to do with the pattern. It has nothing to do with, you know, the name brand, none of that shit. It's, it's all about the creature comfort. Yeah, it's man. the function. It's the comfort. It keeps me in the field longer is exactly what it does. I don't know how much longer because the price on that shit is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> but I can't go back to the regular cotton wallpaper shit. Like, even if I switch away from Sitka, I'm going to switch into something that's more technical. It's more of a gear. You know, it's, it, it's going to keep me in the field. It's going to let me be more comfortable while I'm out there. That way I can stay out there. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good quality stuff out there right now. And the, the price of shit is just completely ridiculous at this point and it's getting overrated. And there's some companies that are coming in with way better price points with just as good a quality. Well, so, you know, talking about that and I was, I, who, I don't know who the hell I was talking to, um, you know, getting ready for this, this caribou undertaking for me. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to have to get some warmer gear. And man, I'm looking at, and I, dude, you know how I love my Sitka, but I'm looking oh, at, yeah. and you know how I'll spend my money, um, and sneak that shit in the garage, like, no, like nobody's <laughs> business. Right. Um, yep. but dude, I'm looking at it and I'm going, this is crazy. 534 bucks for a pair of pants. And I'm, I'm going, what, what are they doing? You know? And it, and yeah. it has me looking elsewhere. You know, I mean, you look at the Kuyu price points and it's like, dude, that it's top of the line technical gear. I mean, it's the same guy that started Sitka, but the price point is night and freaking day. Oh yeah. I mean, you got a bunch of different brands out there. You got Scree Gear. You got Numa. I mean, shit. You had uh, the guy from One Raid on. I mean, the the shit that's out there now, like it, it's there's a lot of stuff that's comparable for a lot less money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and you know, the, I mean, we touched on it already. I'm, I'm a budget guy. Like I don't just have the disposable income to be throwing out there for, you know, a $400 pair of pants or a $200 fucking hoodie. It just, it just doesn't work <laughs> for my budget. I can't, right. I can't do it. <laughs> you know, I mean, shit, my boots, I still run Danners. A lot of people talk shit about Danners. I didn't have a damn problem with my Danners. I put a new set of insoles in them. They're like brand new boots to me. Keep on plugging. Yeah, until you get in that fucking underneath and your feet are on fire. Yeah, that was that's the only thing with my Danners is my fucking feet burn up. Yeah, that was, I mean, that's really, because up until this year, that's what I've been running. And that's what I've always run. And I had two experiences. Last year running um in 106 you know well, we'll call it 102 to 116 and my feet just stayed on fire on the soles and then when i went out earlier this year on that pig hunt <clears throat> my the, my boots flooded like i'm walking through that tall wet you know spring morning dew and my feet were just saturated man and i was like i got to do something this sucks and that's what made See, me i have i haven't had I haven't had that water intrusion problem on mine yet. Oh, dude, it was miserable. I'm, I mean, I've crossed creeks. I've, I've walked through a shitload of dewy grass, and I, my feet don't get wet in them. I, I did notice one thing that I noticed on my Danners this time, right on the top of my feet, and I think it's because of all the side hilling and shit that we did, 
right where my the top of my foot and my ankle meet, I got a like a blister on both on both feet. Yeah, and I don't. But think, I think I don't think you're. I think that might have been my socks. I yeah. think that might have been my socks, though. Yeah. I, well, that uh, and that uh, you know me in the sock thing. That oh yeah, that's what I always lend it to. Right? Is everybody is so ready to say those boots suck? I got blisters. Well, what socks are you wearing, bro? Because if you got you know champions from Walmart at you know. Seven ninety nine for a dozen, and you're trying to put in, you know, thirteen, fourteen miles in a day. Uh, you're probably not in the right sock. I don't think that people realize how much impact a good sock has. You know, I'd rather get a good pair of of wool socks um, that are fit for what I'm doing um, than and and we're you know just wear that stanky pair for two days if they're if they're good socks your feet ain't gonna be horrible <laughs> it might be a little bad but you know um uh, but yeah i don't think like for me like i'm running those crispies now and i really like those freaking crispies man but i got that first week i had what two spots and that was due to my socks i didn't wear my my seamless toe and uh freaking two toes were bleeding um yeah I, I think it goes to the sock more than anything. But that, that water intrusion um that that day out, dude, it was uh it really it surprised me for one. Um, but it was it was so miserable that I was like, Okay, I'm done with this. There's no way that I can that I could do it. Especially looking at, you know, chasing the elk and that time of year and, and you know, hitting those dew points. Um, there was no way. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's 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 no way. I mean and and that's a killer for me. So if once I get water intrusion, I'm, I'm getting new boots. I'm not, uh, I don't mess with that. Water will kill your feet every time. It'll ruin the hunt every time. Help them toenails fall off faster. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That's one thing. Been there, done that. I didn't, I didn't last year. Well, no, I think it was by the third weekend. I had lost like three toenails in that damn heat. Um, this, this time I'm not too bad. I was worried about one that, first weekend but yeah nothing nothing horrible yet i'm hoping that no, i haven't live up to the hype no nah, I've, I've been making sure that i clip my toenails and i'm not you know that, that way they're not pressing into the front of my boots on the downhills and shit like that because i made that mistake last year and i lost two toenails from it i keep that the clippers in the jeep i keep them sons of bitches trimmed man i might as well go get a pedicure <laughs> but uh, it's it's funny because a lot of people don't even think about that shit yeah it's nuts. I didn't think about it for a long time until I started popping toenails off. Mm-hmm. I'll take your ass and make you think about it. <laughs> 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 it's uh, yeah, it, it's funny. The stuff, you know, like I said, going back to the, you know, those boots suck thing. We, we, we get into it. And, and I think you and I talked about this and I talked about it to John and some, I forget who else this week. And I was saying how subjective, Oh, it was Tyler. When I recorded with him, how subjective, uh, the outlook with gear is right. I mean, you know, you got some big stank ass, you know, bunion feet or something. Um, and the X boots might work for you. And then, you know, you got flat foot guy that needs to, you know, roll over with like the custom custom footbeds with Lanthrop and sons. And, you know, you got 20 guys on hype and, you know, crispies are the ones to roll with. And it's a trip, man. It, it's yeah. And there's so many variables like dude, the socks, you know, how crusty them, how crusty them dogs are when they're going in there, you know? Oh yeah. It's, uh, I, and, and that's a big thing with me too, since you, since you brought that up with like the feet, like I, I have plantar fasciitis real bad. 
So just walking around on normal days, a lot of times, if I didn't get a good stretch on my feet the day before or something like that, I feel like I'm walking around on fractured feet. But when I put my hunting boots on, as long as I got a good pair of socks on and a good set of insoles in my boots, I have no pain in my feet. It, it all depends on the boots that I wear or the shoes that I'm wearing, whether my feet hurt or not. So do you see that in like a, a stiffer sole or a softer sole? Do you feel it more one or the softer other? Softer soles kill me. I have to have a stiff sole. If I don't have a stiff sole, I'm dead at the end of the day. Yeah, so I wonder. But see, that's what surprises me about the Danners you're running is because those I have those and they're a little bit on the soft side on the sole. See, I don't, I don't feel like that. I feel like they're... It, so I guess let me qualify that a little bit. I mean, you know, the tennis shoes I used to wear all the time, they were real thin bottom, like trainer style shoes and shit like that. Those shoes kill me. If I have a thick sole with some decent padding, that's going to, you know, take some of that compression off my heel when I step, that's where it helps. Cause like my cowboy boots, I can wear my cowboy boots and I'm fine. And those have a thin sole, but they have good heel support. So it, it a lot of mine has to do with the heel. <clears throat> And, and I feel with the Danners, but my insoles come into play on that. I have to have a good pair of insoles with a good heel bed in them, or it doesn't matter what shoes I have on. Yeah, it's a trip, man. I mean, you know, like you said, it, uh, paying attention to all that stuff that that'll really, it tells you a lot. Oh yeah, definitely. Backpack. I mean, we kind of tangent. Yeah. I mean, the backpacks, a, a, huge thing. I mean, we kind of tangent off the gear thing a little bit and went into feet, but, (laughs) (laughs) but those crusty sons of bitches really, I mean, they'll make or break it. Right. I mean, Oh, every time, you know, every time. And, and since you brought it up the pack, that's another thing that'll make and break it. I mean, we both run the, the Mr. Grant's Metcalf. That pack is by far the best pack I've ever worn. I mean, it, it carries the load. Well, it's balanced. It, it fits well. It sits on the hips the way it's supposed to, you know, it takes the pressure off your shoulders. I've put, I think the most amount of weight I've put in it is like 75 pounds just to do some, just to do some trail hiking and stuff just for a fitness thing. And honestly, I couldn't even tell I had the damn thing on. Yeah. I really like the weight transfer of that pack. And it's hard, right? It's hard. Again, it's subjective, right? You know, you got to look at how many packs, how many packs have you run tested? And you know what I mean? It just, it gets to that. I don't know. It works for me, right? Like you said, it's the best one that I've ever wore. Um, because I'm sure. Well, I mean, that- you, you hit it right on the head right there though. You have to use what works for you. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, everybody's, you know, talks about everybody else's shit and everybody else's gear and everybody else's camo and everybody else's bow and, Look, just because you're, you know, running a Hoyt bow and a Kafaru pack and crispy boots, that shit works for you. It don't work for me. Well, it don't mean you're going out there and getting shit done. Right? Exactly. Uh, you know what I mean? You can go, you can go and spend, you know, $5,000 a year on gear and equipment. It doesn't mean a freaking thing at the end of the season. If you're not going and putting in the time and the effort and the energy to get it done, that, that, that gear is such a small play on it, dude. You know what I mean? It goes back to, and I'm not picking on it, um, but it goes back to you saying, I'm shooting a 2014 bow. 
well, yeah, you could drop dimes at a at, at 100 yards. It don't fucking matter that it's a, a 2014 PSE. Exactly. You know? I mean, and, and that's the thing. I still look at hunting like I looked at it when I was growing up. I grew up poor as hell. We didn't have money to buy gear and all this other shit. I used to hunt in blue jeans and a fucking flannel shirt with an empty water bottle as my water source for the day. Like I didn't have a fucking camel back. I didn't have a fucking backpack, you know, that I could haul a deer out with because we drag them out in Ohio. I didn't have any of that shit. Shit. The first couple years I hunted, I hunted in a pair of uh, army surplus store combat boots that I had to put tape on the inside where the vent holes were to keep water out of. Like that's how we hunted. I didn't have all this gear and I was way more successful back then than I am now with all this. Isn't that, that's funny that you say that that's a hell of an imbalance, right? I can go out there with duct tape boots and yep. seal the deal way more. And then I'm investing all this energy and money and damn, can I get this? Damn, can I get that? And, uh, walk away at the end of the season and that goes back to what i was saying spend the five thousand bucks not to get shit it's it's so i mean i look at gear like a creature comfort like to to me that's all it is when i buy gear now it's to make myself more comfortable it has shit to do with my success level it has shit to do with you know putting animals on the ground in in my opinion the gear doesn't really lend itself to that if you're a shitty hunter with top of the line gear you're, you're still, still gonna be a shitty hunter, hunter. <laughs> like it, it doesn't matter yeah that's it that gear is not gonna help you harvest that animal if you don't know how to do it back to it man i got shit in here that i'll never use again and uh it didn't help me it didn't do anything more than it's doing sitting in the rubbermaid I got more Rubbermaids in the garages than I care to admit. I think you probably have more Rubbermaids than me, man, because we roll up the camp and you got two or three of them things sitting on the ground. (laughs) I didn't figure out how to consolidate quite a bit. I was impressed hey, that first uh, Hey, not this year. I got, I got one Rubbermaid and one cooler this year, goddammit. Don't be, <laughs> don't be trying to put me on blast for overpacking. You didn't see a Rubbermaid with me. I was always, I did that shit intentionally. I was like, I got a different size. I've been giving shit away, posting shit on social. Like, Hey, who can use this? Send me a wind checker just, just to, just to get rid of all the shit, you know? And it's just like, Oh man, look at all this crap. You just accumulate it. And for me, it's not the marketing. I just get curious. I'm like, is that shit? How does that work? How does, you know what I mean? Is that comfortable? Whatever it is, it's like, you know, I got to check it out. And, and unfortunately, that's the only way to experience it, you know, is, is you spend the freaking money and then end up at a loss. <laughs> oh, dude, I got so much bullshit that I will never use in the woods sitting in the garage that I was like, oh, I have to have that. Some of the dumbest shit you can even think of. And I'm like, what was I thinking? I got them little stupid ass Chinese butane flint strike, uh, lighters man or uh, matches fucking stupid things i bought <laughs> i just stopped carrying them this year i'm like i'm not fucking putting this in my pack every time i go to grab one i don't know what it is like the butane just kind of kind of evaporates and a thing ain't worth a damn it's like uh but for years i've I, had to have it in my pack I, th- I think one of the dumbest things that i've always had in my pack and i just stopped carrying it this year you know those little flashlights that 
it's a flashlight, but if you push the button again, it looks like a goddamn glow stick. Like you're trying to have a fucking rave on the, (laughs) (laughs) on the mountain. And then it's got a rape whistle on the other end. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've always carried two of those. I got a red one and a blue one, and they've always been in my pack. And I've if I would have known that, if I would have that, I would have had you pull that shit out and whistled and raved out there on the mountain because that'd have been the funniest. I didn't. Shit I didn't have seen. them this year. I stopped, <laughs> I, stopped, <laughs> I stopped carrying them this year. So yeah, those, no raves this year, man. What's funny? I think I I think I threw those away last year, so I'm a year ahead of you on that curve. Um, but yeah, those things are fucking stupid. You probably can see them. What do you think? You got maybe on the darkest night 40 yards 40 40 yards <laughs> if you're lucky life, you know but it's funny i don't know if you if you're lucky you know dudes worry about weight you know and you got this you know that's one ounce two ounce i'm throw this in here and then you know all said and done it's like i got 14 pounds of crap in here that i don't even need yeah exactly. i know one of the things that helped me man was going to the hammock dude i mean having that hammock <sighs> is just that's that's the changer right there. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm still trying to figure out if my wife's going to throw me out of the house if I set that fucking hammock up in the bedroom. <laughs> yeah, when I got Dude, home, that is the best night of sleep, goddamn. Oh, it. hell yeah. The stars over you, man, and just like boom. <laughs> and it doesn't matter like I get in that thing midday and it's it's all Z's, man. I'm sawing logs. <laughs> yeah, with a big ass chainsaw. Yeah, I'm I'm worried about pulling that thing out, you know, midday, you take that break eat a little lunch i always worry about you know taking it and busting it out and ended up sleeping and you know through the evening set yeah <clears throat> i don't know that thing came in real handy yeah I, after, I, a, like after the long hot days i mean really you can't i mean well i guess it's comparable right to like i have that that jimmy tarp that granite mountain little bivy um and weight wise the the jimmy tarp is probably lighter than the hammock because you got the straps and you got, you know, where we're at, we got to have the damn mosquito net. Um, yeah. It's probably lighter, but you know, that dude, that hammock, you don't have to worry about a flat spot. Any, you know, anywhere there's a couple trees, you could post that thing up. Uh, I don't, I don't think you can beat the comfort of that hammock <laughs> know, after sleeping in it all last weekend and all the, all the weekend before. I don't know if I'll ever go back to sleeping in a damn tent on a, freaking pad well and then adding the pad that's the game changer to me is adding the pad to the hammock and it it kind of widens it out so it's not you know got you wrapped up like a goddamn uh taquito um oh yeah it uh it, it spreads it out it's super comfy the only thing with the damn uh sleeping pads man is they're all so noisy you know unless you're gonna yeah. run a sheet now you're at you know now you're throwing something else in there and it, it becomes this trade-off but yeah, that was the game changer, man. Running that. The only thing with it when when that temperature climbs up up there, um, having that uh, there's no airflow. Yeah, having that sleeping pad under you doesn't uh, doesn't really do it do a good deal. I like having the that the only pad. issue the only issue I have with that damn hammock is trying to get in and out of it without cramping up. <laughs> <laughs> that's been you know what that's funny because that's been every weekend. So we went to what was it three weeks ago? We were in Colorado on yep. the scout and then the following weekend you see you had cramps there um which i fell asleep laughing and then the first weekend i don't know did you cramp the first week yeah you cramped in camp i just one time yeah and then uh, last weekend fucking brutal yeah that one i I'm st- i didn't laugh i was much. getting those cramps so bad last weekend my legs are still sore from it 
Yeah. Like I, just to touch him. I had a hard time laughing at that. Cause when I turned around and I looked and you were thriving in pain, I was like, Oh damn, he's really hurting. I just, I need to figure out what the hell that is. Cause there's, there's no way I can continue to, I mean, I'm going to continue it. <laughs> I'm too stupid not to, but like, I have to figure out what that is because that shit is brutal. When you cramp to the point where you can't even stand up straight and then we're almost a week out from when I was getting those cramps and my legs are still tender in the areas where those cramps were, there, there's got to be something that I can do to fix that. Yeah, that's muscle imbalance. I would, I would guarantee, I'd say 98% certainty that, that that's muscle imbalance. Hit, I'm telling you, hit up, hit up Preston, man. Dr. Preston. Wolf. Yeah, I'm going to have to. And I mean, I mean, it's got to be, I mean, you know how much I lift. I lift every day. I mean, shit, I did 900 pound leg presses at the gym the other day for sets. Like that's the shit that I'm used to doing. So it's, it's got to be that I don't do enough functional movement shit or enough stretching that causes that because it's only when we do those heavy inclined hikes and side hilling and shit like that. Well, I mean, muscle one muscle is expensive on the mountain, right? I mean, I've said that shit before and that's one of the reasons that I'm not lifting like I used to is I really want to sacrifice some of the mes the muscle to be able to get those mountain miles, you know, to increase that, that endurance. I mean, it is just calorie expenditure. And then, you know, with, with all the heavy lifting, you just form imbalances. There's, there's no yeah, way around it. And I'm a big ass dump truck. <laughs> I mean, it, it, shit, I'm 257 pounds right now. Um, and the last time I, you know, checked all my body fat percentage and shit like that, I was, you know, right around 18 to 20% body fat. I had a hundred, almost 130 pounds of muscle on my frame. So like that, that amount of muscle takes a lot of energy expenditure on the mountain. It, I would love to say that I'd like to get smaller. <laughs> yeah, but you're <laughs> but not. I, yeah, I love being big. Right. Well, you're not a small dude anyway. I mean, you'd have to start. You no, know, I smoking, never have been smoking crack or something <laughs> to uh, to shrink down. Yeah, I mean, my comfort my comfort weight was always two thirty five. That's where I was always comfortable. I mean, I climbed cell phone towers at two thirty five, two forty you know, every day for shit, 12 years, I was climbing six, 700 feet a day, you know, working up on the towers forever. You know, I mean, that's just what I did. I've always been a functional fat guy. <laughs> Fuck that dude. 600 feet. <clears throat> not me, buddy. Oh, I've been higher than that. <laughs> yeah. No, not me. I know you were telling me about Chicago and all that shit. Nah, not the one, not here. <laughs> I would make it about halfway I, up and start crying. <laughs> I, I actually miss it now that it, it now that I'm in the office and I, you know, I just kind of manage the construction and I don't climb anymore. I honestly miss it. I'm glad I don't do that shit every day. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not young anymore, but uh, it, it was freedom. It, and I mean, honestly, it kept me outdoors and that was one of the things I loved about it. It was, it was something new every day. It's kind of like, for me, it was kind of like being on the mountain. Like I got to see something different every day. I was in a different place every day and I was outside all day, every day. Well, shit, that was, you, that was you, my thing. You've told me some pretty cool stories, moose and big horn and all kind of shit getting to those towers. Oh, dude. I mean, I've done it all over the country. I've been up in Canada. 
Um, the last site I did in Canada was two hours from Alaska. We used to see a big ass bull moose and a cow every day. It's pretty big black bears. I mean, I've, I've seen so much cool shit doing that part of the job that just lended itself to what I already love to do. So. Yeah. See, and, and I would think that that would have drove you to stay in the woods. It did, but when I came out here, I was doing more inner city towers and shit like that, so I didn't get to see the woods out here. Well, that would have drove me back to the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's what keeps me going half of it. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Hate this place. Oh, yeah, that, that's one of the that things. That makes two of us. Yeah, it's one of the things that just drives me out there. It's like, get away from the freaking morons, man. <laughs> um. So what are we, where are we at? Let's see. Oh, so one of the things, and, and I got all my little cliches and shit in my head and when I'm out there and I'm, you know, pushing, talking shit to myself, right? So, you know, I, I, I sent you that bullet, right? Eating the frustration and shitting out. And then I put the question mark. Um, what, where do you go with that, right? Because a lot of it is frustration. I mean, we hunt in areas... I don't know if, if we pick them. I don't know if they pick us or, you know, it's just where the animals are at. But a lot of it is, it's frustrating because, you know, you go like Mayday, you go in glass Mayday and you look down in that deep ass hole and you go, oh, there's deer down there. And you get down there and you see a deer once. Um, yep. So you're eating a lot of, a lot of humble pie out there, man. I mean, I've, I've had a shitload of frustration over the past couple of years, you know, putting it on myself, um, you know, just not having enough time in the woods, you know, the time that I do spend in the woods, I put a lot of pressure on myself to try to, to try to get that harvest, to try to, you know, make the most of that little bit of time that I do have. And, you know, it, it kind of, I think it kind of put a damper on some of the, some of the skill that I know I do have because I was trying to rush the success of, you know, actually getting a harvest. And, and I think that's where some of my, my second guessing myself and doubting myself on some of the stuff that I did, I think that's where some of that came into play. But it, you know, with the frustration, I guess I'm just, uh, I've said it plenty of times. I'm too stupid to quit. Like I'm going to keep pushing myself, not only because I love to be out there, but I'm not going to let it defeat me. Like if I was a person that gave up, I would have gave up a long time ago. Oh, then, you know, because, then it would be shitting out growth. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I learn every time I go in the woods. <clears throat> you know, I mean, I said it earlier, coming from Ohio and hunting whitetail to, you know, coming to California and hunting out here. I started out as a brand new hunter, basically, because it's a completely different world. I'm still learning every time I go out. I'm, I'm still learning what I can get away with, how I can get away with it the whole spot and stock aspect of it, it it's it's just something that intrigues me and it makes me want to learn how to do it better than what I do and you know just to learn the learn the habits not only the habits that I have but the habits that the animals that I'm looking for have you know I mean it's I guess it's a pursuit to better myself in the woods is, is kind of what I'm getting at. <clears throat> That's kind of what I'm shitting out. 
I'm, I'm shitting out all that frustration to, to make myself a better hunter. But it, I mean, ultimately, right. That not just the hunter part. And that's kind of why I put that there. Cause I knew you would have a good outlook on it, but it's not just the hunter part. I mean, for me, I always say like, it's made me a better person. Right. And I tell people that are new to it, like, dude, you know, you have no idea. This shit is a life changer. Like all this stuff that you're consuming and looking at, it doesn't even tell the whole story. It's a life changer. That shit will make you a better person in every facet. Um, whether it's, you know, your your family life, home, you know, father, husband, whatever, in work. I mean, it just, for me, there's, it just comes with a, a next, the next level of, okay, I'm going to accomplish, I'm going to accomplish this because I just went out there and did that shit. That was way harder than anything that's in front of me in my, in my daily life. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, yeah. I mean, and the, the other part of it that we're chasing too is the adrenaline rush that you get when you get a shot at possibly taking an animal. I mean, shit, a doe still rattles me. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So what was that? Four years ago? And we were on that hunt and you, and you shot that buck 2014. <laughs> you weren't rattled, bro. Cause I couldn't even get the goddamn rangefinder up. And all I saw was vapor trail to a, a tumbling deer. <laughs> if I, if I wouldn't have had that dam to put my gun on that deer would have ran away. Cause I was shaking so fucking bad. Fuck my ear up three foot, three foot from my right. I think my ear still has a ring to it. Hey, I told you I had them. <laughs> <laughs> you better plug your ears faster. Oh man, that shit was so funny. I, it's still one of the what? coolest things I've ever seen, though, because I've never, you know, when you're behind the behind the scope, you don't you don't see the trail like that, right? You see it, but you don't see it like that. And it was like I, I swear to this day that I could see the bullet itself and no and, one could get, you know what? convince it, me otherwise. I still say too, that you probably could because the way you described it to me, I mean, I was taking the shot. I wasn't looking through the binos. That's, you could see the tip. You could see the tip of my barrel in the binos and you could see the deer. That shit was, it was the cool. It's like one of the coolest hunting memories I have. I mean, outside of, <laughs> Outside of, you know, you hadn't had a deer and what, and to that point, it was like, you said like 11 years. It was 2014 when I shot that deer. I moved out here in 2006. So it had been almost 10 years. Yeah. So, I mean, outside of that, I mean, that was a cool ass part of it, but to watch that freaking bullet go over there and smack that sucker was like, wow, that was awesome. Ear was ringing. My ear was all fucked up, (laughs) but it was like, I I think that was the first thing I said. That was the coolest shit I've ever seen. I can't hear shit, but that was cool. Dude, my ear, I'm telling my ear hurt the rest of the day. The funniest shit was those guys that were, you know, and and I don't, it's a rough one, right? Because that ridge to ridge there, um, yeah. Those dudes were pretty close when they heard that shot, and then it, and then to hear them after the shot and to look and see them running and screaming, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was some... okay. Hold on, hold on. Let's qualify this. It, there was nobody in the line of fire, right? Right. <laughs> right. Not at like all. we need to put that out there. Yeah. Not at all. It, and I hate that we have to qualify shit when we say it. 
but yeah. you know how much shit it brings if we don't. Oh, that shit was so funny. God damn. That that was you know there just happened to be other people in the woods hiking in close proximity. Yeah. <laughs> hiking, you know, mining their yeah. businesses, we were mining ours and uh, we didn't know that they were there. But uh, and, holy and our business Trump fares. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> great. To look down. What, what were we up? You think we were up what a hundred, hundred thirty feet above them when we, when we at least at least. Oh my yeah, god. At least screaming and running. Two grown ass men screaming and running. And the bad part about it, until I heard that damn scream in the footsteps, I didn't even know they were there. Yeah, I had no clue. No clue. But I shot totally. that deer and I, I thought the deer screamed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to see them dudes book it, I was like, oh shit, man. That area, the, but that's the same area, you know, just about that I took uh, Makana into and we had the uh, the uh, Asian guy experience hey. there, the, the puffy jacket <laughs> croc boy in the middle of. I mean, it's like, what are you guys doing up here? <laughs> You know, you know what kills me about that place is how many times did we go in there and run across hikers that were like, there's deer here, there's animals in here. That right there is exactly why people get attacked by shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're Clueless. so oblivious to the surroundings that they're in. And that area is one of the highest populated mountain lion areas that we probably hunt. Oh, absolutely. It, like they have trail camera videos of five and six hunting in a pack yeah. in I mean, that area it's it's almost it's almost unnerving going in there have you been in there by yourself yet yeah i went in there after you shot your deer oh okay yeah it, it, i've been go, in there a few times by myself you go in there dark to dark man and it is you just get that, and, the hair stand up on the back of your neck and you know me i got a thing with those cats um, <laughs> i can deal with the bears I'm I'm a bitch when it comes to those cats. Yeah, that was funny. You said that's why I wear my where I wear my pack up like this. I, if they're gonna jump on my back and try to get my neck, they get my pack first. Hell yeah! <laughs> At least then maybe I might be able to stab them or some shit. Yeah, that uh, that spot is a trip. I mean, going in there, you know, walking down that first bit of that that beaten trail up from the top of Mayday, going in, and it's clean, and then coming out. What I you know, I don't know, early evening. And then to have uh, bits and pieces of a carcass that was just killed. Well, I mean, shit. The what was that? Two weeks after you shot your buck up there, I went in and I hiked down into the bottom. And as soon as I got to the bottom, there was a set of guys camping right at the base of the ridge. So I hiked down the valley. I go around the second bend, and there's another set of guys camping there. So I was like, that kind of blows out this whole place. So I turned around and I hiked back up. It was a matter of two and a half hours and right in my footsteps the the cougars up there had attacked a small deer ate the whole damn thing the only thing that was left was the bottom of all four legs there was still wet blood cougar shit you know i slung my rifle over my shoulder i pulled my sidearm out and i walked the rest of the way out with my sidearm because i was like what the fuck yeah like i didn't have to deal with mountain lions and shit back in ohio bro like it's crazy out here well, you saw one, didn't you? See one last year in that in that uh, late season. Yeah, um, a lot closer than I wanted to, and it was during uh, archery, so I didn't have my sidearm. Um, it was within fifty yards, probably probably a hundred and twenty pound cat. 
<laughs> oh, I can imagine. I'm out. <laughs> oh, bro, I was, I was, I was pissing on myself. I didn't, I, no, I sat there for about two and a half hours because I didn't know what to do. <laughs> that damn thing circled up behind me, and I didn't know if it was circling up behind me to come down and get me or what. And I was like, oh shit, back against the tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's no, rough, too. A burned bush because there was no trees. I was in that burn. Yeah, that's that's rough too, right? I mean, you know, our archery season, you can't uh, you can't carry a sidearm on you. Um, I've always questioned that, especially, you know, I don't know what's, what's really the likelihood if I, if I take all the years and, you know, the amount of times in the woods and how many times I've seen them or seen recent sign right near me, there's the the probability is probably pretty low. Um, and I stink and, you know, I don't think anything wants to eat me anyway. Um, trust me, I followed you behind, I followed behind (laughs) you on the mountain. I can I can vouch for that one. Oh man! No, and and I mean, the one that I saw last year was the only one I've ever seen. I've seen plenty of sign. I've seen you know the the cougar shit and the blood and stuff from the deer in my tracks. But I I mean, how many times have we been out in heavily populated areas and never saw them? Yeah, you just don't see them. How many of them you think we've walked past? Oh. I, I would say countless same same as the deer yeah same as the deer <laughs> they're all sitting there laughing at our asses these guys going that way we smelled you in that but way. i mean i just i mean I, I i don't think i'll ever really understand that law that i can carry my pistol during rifle season but i can't carry my pistol during archery season i can't the one thing i do understand they don't want people you know, shooting them with a pistol and then trying to say that they shot it with their bow. I completely understand that because you've got those assholes that are going to do that. But, it, I mean, especially in some of the areas we hunt out here, I don't even carry my pistol so much for four-legged animals. I mean, we got marijuana grows out here. We got crazy-ass people out here <laughs> just in general, you know. I carry it for protection, whether it's four-legged, two-legged, it doesn't matter. Because if, if the shit hits the fan, I can get, I can get on something with my pistol a hell of a lot faster than I can with my rifle. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody pointing a gun at you and <clears throat> you, you drawn down on your bow. I mean, I mean, shit, look at the experience I had during Turkey season. Yeesh. Yeah. That one's <clears throat> uh that's crazy. I'm yeah, I'm glad I was. That's there. a th- that is the closest I've ever come to pulling the trigger on somebody. Yeah, that shit is insane. And and it was over nothing. So just touch because, on it, touch on it briefly. You're hunting you're hunting a plot of land and uh okay, so some dudes didn't there's like a, it. So there's a the plot of land I was on, there was a dirt county road that separated the plot I was on and a private section across the street. Well, where the turkeys were, were up in the front section of the property I was hunting. So I was hunting. I met another guy that was hunting there. So we were kind of hunting together at the time. He was probably, I don't know, maybe 60, 70 yards down from me. He had his decoy set up. I had my decoy set up. I saw a car go up the road. They kind of slowed down by my decoy because you could see our decoys from the road. Um, they slowed down by mine. They got past mine. They stopped at his and I hear him yell, Hey, get away from that. 
And then I hear the other guy yelling at him. I didn't realize what was really going on until I got up and started walking down because I just, I started walking down to him just in case something happened. I wanted to be able to help out. As I'm walking down, I realized the guy got out of the car and was pointing a pistol at the dude I was hunting with, yelling at him, calling him a fucking poacher, which we were on land that we had permission to be on, full right to be there. And he was on the land that he wasn't allowed to be on. He was on the property we were hunting. So I pulled, I pulled my shotgun up. I racked it, started yelling at the guy. I told him, I said, look, you better get back in the car, put the gun down. He turns the gun on me. At that point, I almost shot him. He jumped back in the car and he was hanging out the passenger window. There were four guys in the car. He's hanging out the passenger window. He had swung the gun back over on the guy I was hunting with and was pointing it at him and he was yelling at him, telling him that he'd be back and he was going to get him. And dude, it was, it was nerve wracking. It was, like I said, it was the closest I've ever come to pulling the trigger on somebody. I can't even imagine you're out there enjoying what you love. And then you got, you know, I guess it takes all kinds, man. And it's just a sad, I wonder if those, were they hunters? Did they look like they were out hunting or what? Are they no, just country they weren't road hunters. Assholes? They were just country road assholes. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That's a rough one. I'm glad I wasn't there. <laughs> That's all I got to say on that one, buddy. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it was that weekend and not the following weekend because I had my son with me the following weekend. And if he would have turned that gun on me with my son there, I would have shot him. Yeah, it's a, that's a, yeah, it's a scary fuck. Scary thing. I mean, we're all, I don't want to back. So, I mean, we, yeah. So, I mean, we, we just, we cleaned up. It, it, it ruined our hunt. Honestly, we cleaned up. We, we pulled our decoys. We went to a different part of the property that we knew really didn't have any turkey sign on it. Um, just to check it out because we hadn't been back in that section of the property. Um, and then we just kind of packed it up for the day and left. I mean, it was five hours from home. So I was like, this just kind of ruined my day. I went back to camp. I threw my shit in the truck and I left. Yeah. And then no telling, right? You know? I mean, you know, you don't know. And we did, we did see a warden. So we did, we did turn in the car. We did, I mean, we didn't have a license plate number or anything, but we told them what kind of car it was and, you know, all that stuff. But it was, I don't know. It was, it was by far one of the craziest experiences I've had people wise in the woods. <clears throat> That's so, I mean that, uh, you know, packing it up, there's a lot of guys I wouldn't have left out of kept hunting. Yeah. Bullshit. Right. If that guy, you know, he's pointing a gun at you willy nilly and you don't know that he's going to come back or not and look for it. You know, it's not even worth being in that situation. I'm like I said, I'm glad. And, I and honestly, there. I wasn't worried about him coming back for him. I was worried about him coming back because if he would have came back and did it again, I would have shot him. And I don't want that on me. Who does? Because it wouldn't happen a second. It wouldn't happen a second time. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's a scary part, right? Is you got dudes out in the woods, you know, they got firearms. You're hoping everybody's being responsible, but there is, there's those sorts. I mean, who knows that, that you know that gun that he had might not have been registered and legal like yours. Exactly. So you don't know their intent, man. Yeah. Yep. Nuts, bro. Um, so what's, what's that next generation looking like, man, getting, uh, getting Derek out there 
I know you're uh, excited to be in the woods with them. And I know how, from my experience, how difficult it is as they start to come into their own and, you know, um, keeping them out there and getting them to value everything that we value in it, right? Because it's all about that immediate satisfaction, you know, how I want it now, I want it now type thing. So how's that, uh, how's that path rolling? And, you know, is it, uh, how you handling that? And is he, I, I know, well, I already know, but is he, you know, chomping at it is what's the, you know, what's the deal with the, the outlook for the future, man, and passing that on. I mean, he, he loves going out with me. Um, he really likes doing it. He likes being out there. That kid can hike his ass off. I mean, forever he can put in miles, like, like it's nobody's business. I mean, shit, I think he might be able to put in more miles than me. Um, he loves being in the woods. He is not a sitter, <laughs> but I don't know any nine year old that really is. I'm not a sitter. Um, <laughs> yeah, me neither. I mean, he's, he's more of a hiker. Um, he, he was all gung ho. I told him, you know, he could get his license to start hunting birds and rabbits and turkeys and stuff this year. And we got a little something planned for the end of the year, which we'll get into later by the looks of it. And, um, he kind of broke my heart a little bit. Uh, like I think it was like two weeks ago, he told me he didn't want to get his license this year. Um, but I, I think it's a little more of, he's being a little bit lazy and doesn't want to do the work. So I already told him, I'm not going to let that shit slide. He's getting his license. Um, <laughs> If and it, I'm not forcing him to hunt, and I've already told him that, but I am going to force him to get his license, just because I, like I said, I think it's just him being a little bit lazy, um, and doesn't want to do the studying that it takes to, to go through the testing and all that stuff. Um, if he gets it and doesn't want to use it, I'm I'm fine with that. I mean, I'd be more than happy to just have him out there with me, um, whether he's hunting or not. Um. It's, I guess it's a little rough out here just because of the terrains and the heat and stuff that we do deal with. I, uh, I'm a little apprehensive about taking them out. Like I'd have a hard time taking them out to where we've been hunting the past oh, couple of weeks. Yeah. That's a no go. Um, unless you want them to hate it. I just, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and, and I guess that's part of it. I, I don't want to work them to the point where, he is going to hate it. You know what I mean? Um, I want to take him out and I want to get him out this year. So if I don't fill my tag during the opener of, of rifle season, I'm going to try to get back out to that archery only ranch that we hunted last year. Um, and you know, get him in the woods again, get him back, hopefully get him back in the woods before school starts and kind of redeem myself for the selfishness last year. And, you know, put one on the ground while he's with me. I mean, that, so. and like I said, I mean, that's hard, right? Cause you know, my boy was gung ho like that. And, you know, we went, you know, I was taking him to Texas and, and part of doing that was couldn't hunt here. So, you know, he'd go out, he's happy to go out and he's like, well, damn, we're not, you know, I can't even do anything. Um, yeah. So yeah. I started going down there and it was great. Right. And then it was like, okay, I got him hooked. And then you bring him back out here and it's like, okay, the grind starts. Um, and it, it, I think, and I could be screwed up. The state needs to do better when it comes to youth hunting opportunities, in my opinion. 
give them an earlier season, give them an early season. I mean, we don't have an early youth season in most of the areas. Can you imagine being able to go up, you know, with our where that either sex tag is at and take him out and let him harvest an animal, um, you oh, know, dude. in an early it, season? It, it, It'd be a no-brainer. These 12 and, you know, older stipulations on on big game hunting and stuff like that i don't know in my opinion it's it's kind of driving the the future of hunting down you know because i started hunting with my dad when i was four or five years old you know if if i wouldn't if i would have waited and you know got wrapped up in my friends and you know doing this and doing that i probably would have never started like and the distraction and i, I kind of feel like sorry oh dude it's it's horrible yeah. but i kind of feel like that's where the future of hunting is is dwindling because we're not getting them out there soon enough and yeah i mean we can take them out with us and we can you know get them in the woods but like you said if they don't see some of that action on their own it's it's not gonna it's not gonna stoke that fire that we have for it and then the, like the hard you part know? right is is you know i've and, and you have to make that tough decision is you, you, you take them out and you have a tag and it's like, okay, I should let him pull the trigger. Well, then we're not doing it legally. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, well, yep. okay, so now I'm teaching, am I teaching him the wrong thing because I'm allowing him to pull the trigger on my tag, which I shouldn't, you know what I mean? It, it's a catch 22. Yeah. And I, I think that that opportunity needs to be opened up for them at an earlier age, man. Um, yeah, it drove me crazy for years. I mean, it really yeah, that's why my boy stopped, you know. I mean, outside of, you know, school and football, um, that was one of the reasons. It was just there we we'd have to go, you know, 2200 miles away to get him an opportunity to hunt. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I mean, like I said, that's that's what I'm looking at this year. I mean, just because I I want to get that I want to get that fire going. I mean, he, he's already got the, the will and the, the want to be out there, but I want him to see something as, as, as you know, that, that's really going to get him going. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's going to get that passion started to where he's like, I can do this. Like, I'm, this is me. This is what I can do. You know, th there's only so many years that, you know, he's going to want to come out with me and watch me either not harvest or harvest you know uh, like there's only so much attention that can be put into that before he he's like yeah this isn't for me anymore it's rough so and like i said man the distractions you you look at that stuff you know and then you know he wants to run cross country you start that and you're going down that road that's you know that's less time that he's going to be looking you know you'll be able to get out with him you know, and been there, done yep. that, you know, Tay, Tay with soccer and then, you know, guy with football. Um, and it was just like, man, you know, on top of friends and <coughs> video games and all that other I sound old saying all that, but it's funny. Um, it's the truth. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you know what? I, I, I mean, that's, that's the generation we grew up in. I tell my kids all the time. They're like, Oh, what did you do when you were a kid? I'm like, you know what I had to play with when I was a kid outside. That's what I had. Like, and I mean, it sounds like you said, it sounds so old saying that, but it's hard to say this. That's what shaped me. 
that, but, but that's what shaped me. Like that's, we were never inside ever. Oh, it was miserable. If you Shit, had now be, you can't oh, get your kids to go outside. Yeah. It's, it's a total opposite. 180, man. I remember, it, you know, if you got in trouble or something and you were stuck in a house, you shit. That was oh, that was the torture. That was like death. (laughs) (laughs) That was miserable. It's nuts now. That's you know, like you said, that's all it is. You know, go sit in the room and damn, yeah, what? Oh yeah. And I didn't grow up hunting. I mean, you know, fishing and camping, but you know, uh, yeah, hell no. Hell no. So you guys got something planned though, right? You're gonna gonna get a three generation Rhodes, Ohio thing going, skipping out on elk camp. Yeah. Um so my dad had a heart attack back in twenty seventeen. Um and ever since he did, I kinda had it in the back of my mind that I needed to get back there and, you know, get a hunt in with him before he couldn't get in the woods anymore. Um, he's not getting any younger. I mean, he's, he's doing okay. He's, he's actually doing better than I thought I was back there in May and, uh, it actually surprised me how good he was doing. But with that, I was kind of like, you know what, I need to, uh, need to kind of put that on the top of my priority list this year. And, you know, I'm going to pass up the, the Colorado Elkwoods this year to, uh, to go back and do a three generation thing because Derek can actually hunt back there. Uh, there's no stipulation on age. Um, so I kind of planned it and surprised my dad with it when I was up there in May, um, kind of sprung it on him, asked him if he'd, uh, so I, I went back from my nephew's graduation party and, you know, we did the whole thing on Saturday with my nephew's graduation party and everything. And at the end of the day, I kind of looked at my dad and I was like, man, you must be tired. He was like, yeah, a little bit. He was like, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of work today and stuff like that. And I was like, uh, so too tired to do a little bit of hiking around tomorrow. And he was like, for what? I was like, we need to go, we need to go do some scouting. He was like, where at the property that I hunt? And I was like, no, the property that me, you and Derek are going to hunt this year. And the, I wish I would have recorded it because the look on his, on his face was, was everything I was expecting. So yeah, it was, uh, it was actually a little overwhelming when I, when I went up there because I mean, like I said, I've been in California since 2006. Um, haven't really, I haven't hunted with my dad. Shit. It was probably five or six years before I moved out here. I, you know, I started hunting with my friends and, you know, my dad was hunting a small piece of property that there really wasn't a lot of room on for, for more than him or one other him and one other person. Um, so I kind of just kind of ventured off on my own and I was hunting with my friends and stuff. And that was my biggest fear was having a place to go when, when we go up there for deer season this year. So I kind of reached out to uh, some of my old hunting buddies and dude, it was overwhelming. Like the hunting community and the people that we hunt with blow me away. I was up there for four days and I you know, after I told my dad I had four days left and those four days were spent scouting four different pieces of property from four different people. Because as soon as I reached out to, you know, my old hunting buddies and stuff, they were all like, you got a spot. I don't give a shit what we got to do. You got a spot. So 
that's a, that's the one thing about it. Like, I love the hunting community. I mean, it's it's like everything else. You got your assholes, but a majority of the hunting community is just amazing. The people in it are some of the nicest people you can meet, and you know, a, a lot of them are willing to help when the when help is needed. You know, it's and it's it's an awesome thing. I still have to give you shit for missing elk camp. Um, but Trust yeah. me, I'm giving my shit myself shit for missing elk <laughs> camp. But well, no, you know, you my know, dad's my dad's priority this year. Hell and, uh, yeah, well, that I mean, that, I'll be in the elk woods next year. The the three generation thing, man, that that's phenomenal, right? Bringing that full circle um, for all three of you, you know, not just him, not just you, not just your boy. Um, yeah, that that's going to be way better than. Uh, chasing my ass in the woods, you know, going after, uh, going after elk. I guarantee that shit. You're going to have to, you're going to have to get that on video though. Well, and, and honestly, that's what I was about to say. Like, I don't even really care if I hunt. I want to film my dad and my son hunting together. So I'm, I'm, you know, kind of working up to, you know, figure out how I'm going to do that, whether we're going to do blinds or, you know, what we're going to do. Like I said, I'm not much of a tree stand hunter. My dad is, um, actually my dad's not much of a tree stand hunter either. Cause he's a little scared bitch and doesn't like heights, but <laughs> kind of like somebody else I know. <laughs> yeah. He might be my father. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, he'll get up in a tree stand, but it, it's funny to see him in a tree stand. Cause you know, most tree stand hunters get 20, 30, 40 feet up in the air. And my dad's like, 15 feet off the ground if he's lucky. That's about where I'd be, man, 12 foot. You could put me on a tall-ass peak. I could have a sheer face, you know, 100-foot drop next to me on some rocks. Don't bother me. Get, me, get my damn boots off the ground? Nah. <laughs> hey, you, you know what? Actually, since I brought that up, I kind of wanted to bring something up. You guys were, I think it was on the Hot Sense uh, episode the other day. Right. You guys were talking about, you know, guys putting putting scents six, seven feet in the air and stuff like that. Honestly, that's one of the reasons why I wasn't much of a tree stand hunter is because the couple times that I did hunt in a tree stand, the deer came through the woods looking up in the air. That's crazy. That trips me out, man. But I, and when Mark said it, I was like, you know what? Guys say it, that they'll walk in and they're looking up and it's like, damn, that's a Dude, it's lot of pressure. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I got to the point where I would sit at the base of a tree instead of being in a tree stand because they were looking up so much. You know, it, it, that and I just, I hated sitting. <laughs> but, man, that, but yeah. That should be epic, man. You'll have to, yeah, definitely got to get that on film. Well, I had to figure out how to yeah. get you one of the cameras so you can get in on one of the outside of the GoPro and do like a hell of an edit or something on that thing. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get something before, before we make that trip and you know, that way I can get some good video on it. And like you said, maybe when edit you, something together. And when are you going? Uh, shotgun season starts the, the Monday after Thanksgiving. So we're, I think oh. we're going to go up oh, shit. the week. Just, just come borrow. You could borrow my cameras, dude. Cause that, I mean, timing wise, that'll be fine. Okay, cool. Yeah, and then just, fuck, we'll just edit that shit. Do it on the, uh, do it on Premiere or something, and just edit the hell out of it. 
Cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's that's a lifelong memory right there, man. Worth uh, worth the viewing. Yeah, I just need to uh, get my dad to make the decision on which property he wanted to hunt on. <laughs> that's the only problem with having having the options, right? right. Like I I have the uh, the place in mind that I want to go, but it's not about me; it's about him. So <clears throat> I'm going to let him pick it. How are the and numbers? they're all see any good see any good deer when you're there saw a lot of really good sign uh the one property we saw quite a few does um the there was one property we didn't get to go to because it is down south uh with the main group of guys that i used to hunt with but they said that the numbers down there are amazing um that's actually the way i'm leaning but like I said, it's, it's about my dad. The, the one property we went to, we saw some really, really good sign. A lot of tracks, um, you know, a lot of old sign, a lot of grazing areas, a lot of beds. It's right next to a, like a pond. Um, so there's plenty of water. I mean, it was just an amazing property and it's all public land. Um, but my buddy that took us in there hunts it pretty much every year and, he said it's kind of a hidden gem. Nobody goes. He said he might see a couple Amish guys come through every once in a while, but other than that, nobody hunts it. And he gets he got a huge, I mean, fourteen point is they don't do it. They don't do seven by sevens, but he got a huge fourteen point there that last year. I, th- I want to say it was last year or the year before, and then he got another buck off of that property as well. That was I want to say it was a ten point. Um, but he was wide. He was like 20, 29 inches wide <clears throat> um, with huge G2s. His G2s, I want to say his G2s were almost 14 inches long. And that's a, he was that's just a, a wide-ass whitetail, dude. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw the picture of the one I posted that my dad got, my dad's biggest buck. Yeah, I think, I think I remember. He was wide. I don't know what the, I don't know what the, the main beam, the main beam spread was on him, but he was, I want to say he was almost two feet. He might even been over two feet. If you, if you look at that picture, he's got crossbow bolts sitting on the antlers and the antlers are just as wide, if not wider than the crossbow bolts. Yeah. I'll have to check that picture out again. I mean, I say that's a trip, right? But I don't know about fucking whitetail. <laughs> that just, you know, 29-inch wide whitetail, it, that's... Which is, which is crazy because I love a good whitetail rack. Yeah, like, I mean, they're I'm, nice. I, in my opinion, I like the way a whitetail looks more than a blacktail. But then, but then you get those big muleys, <laughs> and there, and I start to sway a little bit. But yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like you know, I got, I have that ten point, that white tail, and I love his symmetry and everything. But uh, I hung that Catalina buck up, and man, I can't stop looking at that Catalina buck. I just, I don't know, man. Yeah, but man, like something. I said, you're. Yeah, but that Catalina buck's got some whitetail features too, man. Yeah, well, I told you about that, right? There, there are yeah, there are rumors that they were there were whitetail introduced to that island, but there's nothing documented. There's nothing written, and all they have yeah. written is about the mule deer introduction. So, but yeah, you look at that uh, that right side on them, dude, and that's all. It, it just screams and those like, those dark chocolate antlers. Oof. 
Yeah, there's nice. nothing, man. The dark antlers, dude. That's my that's my stuff right there. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. The dark antlers get me every time. So, so let's hit it, man. Uh, give us a little bit of the uh, the conservation, quick, man. What's your what's your view on that and and your stance and what you know shouldn't shouldn't we be doing? I mean, I guess my big thing is, man, don't be a dick. Like, <laughs> clean. I mean, clean up after yourself. No matter if you're on private, public, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's your land. You know, you got to treat it like it's your land. I mean, we saw that shit last weekend. We sat down under that tree to take a break. What did we find? Gatorade bottles buried under the fucking leaves. Like that shit pissed me off to no end. It's it, it it's shit like that that's gonna lose the ability for us to hunt. You know whether it's you know a private landowner kicking people off the property because people are fucking up his property or you know forest service closing down public lands because people aren't taking care of it and they're leaving trash everywhere i mean shit we've we've seen it plenty of times when going up to like d6 and shit like that these dudes having huge ass fucking camps and just leaving all their trash behind yeah now that yeah you know that shit's crazy well that's like that i mean g loop area too remember we found that somebody pulled up off off the side of that oh yeah wash and dumped right down into it man into a damn creek bed yeah i mean i mean for me that's the big thing like we make a point of it every time we're out to pick up whatever trash we see, you know, you're man enough to carry that shit in, carry that shit back out. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's I mean, lighter. <laughs> yeah. It's lighter. I mean, I understand you probably had a long day. You're out there hiking, but if you carried that shit in, carry it back out with you, you know? And if you can't do that, don't go. Like you're not doing anybody any favors. I mean, we just, we need to make sure that we're, we're leaving the land better than we found it. I mean, I'm a firm believer in that. I, I carry that same aspect over on my job sites. You know, it, it's, it's just the way I've always been. I'm not going to walk past a piece of trash and not pick it up. It's, it's got to be done. Somebody has to do it because somebody else was the asshole that threw it down. And one of the things that's important, right. And, and you bring it up and I, I've never said it before, but you know, uh, you don't do it and I don't do it just because we're hunting together. I'm going to do that shit when I'm by myself. You're going to do it when you're by yourself, right? It's that, it's that constant accountability for it, right? Whether it's ours or not, if it's someone else's, if it's ours, we better be taking that shit out. But oh yeah, it, it's that constant effort in that, right? Not just because somebody's standing there and, you know, you're hooting and hollering that shit, but, you know, because you really believe in it. Yeah, I mean, it's it it just it it astounds me to see the amount of trash that we see as far as we go in. It's like, damn! I thought we were the only ones dumb enough to come back here. Well, you said last weekend, I, I was shocked, dude, to see the Gatorade bottle back there. I was like, somebody actually was in here. I mean, it didn't have the wrapper yeah. on it; it was older and shit. But I was shocked to see something way back in there, and then. What shocked me even more wasn't the Gatorade bottle. It was the little cheese and cracker, you know, half freaking deteriorated wrapper that's probably been there for 10 years. A cheese and cracker. That doesn't thing. even weigh an ounce. Dude, that could, you could put that in your pocket. Like it doesn't, yeah. you could have put the cheese and cracker thing in the Gatorade bottle and then put the empty, squish the Gatorade bottle as much as you could and put the shit in your pack or uh, I don't know. Which is, which is exactly what we did. It's just crazy. I, I don't know. 
<laughs> I'll never, I mean, it, it, I'll never get it. Yeah. I just don't understand it. And I mean, I, I know that's been a big thing on these conservation quicks for a lot of people was pick up your trash and stuff like that, but we can't stress it enough. Like it, it's going to ruin it for everybody. If people don't start picking up their shit, even if it didn't cause a closure, right? Even if that wasn't the effect of doing it, no, it affects the ecosystem, right? But the but the lack of giving a shit that that is not. We say it's our land, it's our public land, but it's not yours to shit on and to trash. Exactly, you know what I mean? It's like, come on, man. You know, oh, it's public. Uh, <laughs> it just it frustrates me and it's every time we go out it's not just yep. it's not every other time or every third time it's every single time you go out and put boots on the ground you see somebody else's shit yeah i mean I, I, that's the that's got to be one of the most frustrating things like all the tag soup i've eaten and the, you know the the missed stocks and you know the blown stocks and shit like that nothing frustrates me more than finding trash i'll miss it i'll blow a stock all day long and be happy about it but if i see a piece of trash in the middle of that stock yeah <laughs> i'm gonna blow the damn stock anyways because i'm gonna get pissed off yeah pick up the trash <laughs> I yeah just crumbled your fucking wrapper buddy yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, I don't know. Like I said, it's, that's just my biggest pet peeve when we're out is, you know, finding all that shit. And it's kind I of, mean, escape. The, you know, you, you drive around the freeways, you know, and I don't want to say, especially in Southern California, cause it's a lot of places and, and then you see it, right. I mean, you got trash everywhere, people throwing shit out the windows. You can't even go into God's creation as it, as it, is right without all our effect and buildings and all this shit and go enjoy it because I'm Jack leg mother ever, you know, decided he wanted to leave his lunch and, and, you know, half his snack laying on the mountain. Yeah. One of the biggest reasons why we go out there is to get away from all that bullshit. And then you walk right into it, you know, 10 miles back in the wilderness. It's like, come on. And you know, he was so, hunting. There's no other reason to be in there. That's the only reason yeah. you're going in that at hell hole. I can't imagine anybody was like, oh, let me go backpack in here where there's no water and no streams and no fish and no nothing. Um, yeah. So, and I hate. And no, and no shade. Yeah. No shit. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like, I don't care where you're at. There is no shade out there. I mean, it is like non-existent. Yeah. It's ridiculous. The shade's smarter than we but, are. But we just keep going back. Yeah. Oh, dude, that, that's what I'm saying. I gotta, I gotta seal the deal and, and arrow a deer there. So I can, I think that's going to just make me write that area off, man. It has to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully you can seal the deal on them this weekend. Too bad. I won't be there to watch. But uh, well, yeah. you know me and my and my solo. I, I as much as I enjoy hunting with people, I that's when I that's when I do my thing more times yep. than not. You know, I'm knocking on yep. wood right now. I don't want to jinx myself for this for this outing. Um, oh yeah, I don't know if it make. I don't. I don't know if you're if I'm more in tune or uh, more desperate. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I love that shit. But I don't know. He'll get it figured out eventually out there. I mean, he he's bound to slip up. 
I don't know, dude. I mean, you see how I don't, I don't know that dude. That dude's smart. <laughs> you see how they those deer see you and they're gone. Like they are, they're not waiting. They're not hesitating. They don't give you a, a second chance. They're out. I don't know. It, I think like like we talked about. I think it's time to try an ambush style and you know, see how that fares. Well, I, I think that's what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to go, you know, take that East route and then go, you know, in that area that, that I told you and, yep. and see if I can't, uh, if I can put it together there. What scares me though, is the week before bachelor up like crazy last weekend, everything was gone. Single, single bucks. Yeah. Yep. Right. So I don't know. It's like, well, how viable is it now? So. I don't know. I think that, I think that spot you said, you know where you were planning on setting up the ambush point I, I, even if they are separated i think i think you got a good shot there cuz i think that's going to be one of their main travel corridors no matter what well you got those whether they're bachelored up yeah. you know whatever they got they got all that protection they got those escape routes they got the you know the different draws that they can go down in if something happens i i think that's the perfect spot and you know if you can get set up in there at the perfect time and you know, catch them slipping. I, you know, you got that shot. So, yeah, we'll see. I to to, and that's the hardest part, right? Is to sit there and hope that opportunity crosses my path instead of what I'm used to in trying to create opportunity. That's going to be the biggest challenge. It's not like you know me sitting on a ridge, glassing them, and then trying to make the approach. So I think. uh just sitting there waiting is going to uh that's going to test my mental more than anything <laughs> oh yeah definitely it's it's definitely going to be different but i think with what we've seen there i think that's kind of what it's going to take is something different <clears throat> yeah because everything just else ho- hopefully you can hopefully you can keep your mind in check long enough to uh stay there <laughs> to stay to stay there and not go back to your norm yeah that's the that's the part that's worrying me either that or falling asleep I'll, uh, I'll oh, I know up, damn well you're going to fall asleep. I'd have fallen asleep and, you know, <laughs> a bachelor group of, of 10, 12 bucks going to walk right by me. <laughs> Caught with your pants down. Exactly. So, cool, oh, man. Shit. Anything in closing? No, nah, man. Just uh, thanks for having me on. Kind of no, been wanting to do it for a while and uh, glad I finally got the chance. So, just, you know, Everybody that's listening, just, you know, get your kids out there. Get, we got to keep the future of this thing going or it's not going to, it's not going to be here. So keep it going. It's all we can do. Good shit, bud. Well, I'll, uh, yeah, well, you know, you'll hear from me if I get something, if I could find a signal out there. Definitely. Well, good luck out there this weekend. All right, buddy. All right man. I'll talk to you, man. Thanks a lot. All right. Later. Later. You can catch up with Drew on Instagram at Barbells and Bullets. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.
Hey everyone, this is Andrew with Sasquatch Fuel. If you're heading into the backcountry this season and you need some meals that don't bog you down, check out sasquatchfuel.com. Our 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. For more information on conservation in action, head to sasquatchfuel.com. Hey guys, enter code Western Contours at checkout and save a few bucks off your order.